I'm Reverend Al Sharpton, and you're listening to Conversations with Reverend Terry K. Anderson. Thanks again for joining us. I am here with one of my favorite preachers in the world to hear preach, uh, Dr. Frank Ray of the Salem Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome, Dr. Ray. We are delighted to have you. Thank you, Dr. Anderson. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. I, I want to first begin by asking you to give us the Frank Ray story, where you came from, where you were born, where you were raised. I was born in, in Arlington, Tennessee. Uh, my father was Cicero Winslow Ray. Uh, he fathered 18 children, <laughs> and I'm number 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you started preaching at what I started age? preaching at the age of 25. Okay. Uh, 1971. Matter of fact, yesterday I just celebrated my 51st uh, preaching anniversary. Okay. 51 years yesterday. 51 years. Yes, sir. I was there. You invited me to preach at your 50th anniversary yes, as sir. pastor of Salem. Yes. That's the only church you've ever pastored? Only church I've ever pastored. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Been there 50 years. What, what we marvel about in the preaching community is your brilliance when it comes to scriptural memory. Yeah. Uh, the older I get, the more stuff I have to write down, <laughs> and then I got to remember what I wrote it on, and yeah. then I got to remember where I put it, and then I got to remember what I wrote it for in the first place. Yeah. But your scriptural memory is, is nothing short of phenomenal. Talk to us about that. You know, I, I was taken out of school when I was eight years of age, my father was of age, mm-hmm. and so I had to work in the field uh, to help provide for the family. And because of that, I had the chance to go to school only three months out of a year. Oh. And that was my whole 12 years I was in school. So I had to develop a way of, to maintain and to have recall uh, three months out of a year so mm-hmm. I could get to the next grade. I didn't pass some kind of lottie. <laughs> I, I got out, thank you, lottie. That's the way I, but because of that, I didn't know then what God was doing, but I know now mm-hmm. that he was preparing me for the preaching ministry. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I knew I had to preach, there was a preacher named Freddie Brown that came from Brooklyn, New York, and he walked to the mic that night, and he quoted Psalms 1, and he shall be like a tree. He didn't open a Bible, a pen, or a pad. And just what he did that night, it just kind of lit a flame in my life. And I decided then that I, if he could do that, I could do it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, out of 51 years of preaching, I've used, I tried to use a manuscript twice mm-hmm. in 51 years. And so I had to, to do that. You have to spend a little more time than the average person when they come to study. You have to be kind of bookish. So that's how I developed it. Right. Yeah. Well, I need a manuscript. I can't do it like that. <laughs> and the other thing I can't do is preach with a microphone in my hand. I, See, I've tried it. Yeah. But I don't know what to do with my other hand. So I just, <laughs> I just leave the mic on the stand. Yeah. Dr. Maya Angelou says that life is not measured by how many breaths you take. Mm-hmm. but by what takes your breath away. Yeah, yeah. Tell us some things that has taken your breath away over these 51 years of it preaching. Has, it has been uh, the expository preaching, a piece that I was able to develop. I I ran into a, uh, in 1984, A. Lewis Patterson mm-hmm. uh, that came and started preaching for me, and he kind of revolutionized my life with expository preaching. Mm-hmm. And then I met a Stephen Olford. Stephen Olford is a white pastor that grew up in Africa mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but he came to America and he, he, he started his ministry in Memphis. He adopted me as being one of his sons mm-hmm. and uh, he was perhaps one of the best expositors that I know of. He would allow me to come into his library and just stay there and wow. he spent time with me on the expository preacher. So that kind of changed when I look at a passage I look at it totally different from the way I used to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I use actually use the scripture as my manuscript. I just go to the next word, mm-hmm. and it's not hard to maintain if you spend 30 and 40 hours on that one verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what it was mm-hmm. really that just changed my life forever. Now, I notice you, don't, you hardly ever sweat when you're preaching. And you used to work in the field growing up, <laughs> so you must have used all your sweat out there picking cotton or doing something. But. Sweat is a sign of nervousness mm-hmm. in most cases, and what I try to do is totally relax myself before I open my mouth to say anything. I'll crack a joke or sing a song mm-hmm. or something to totally relax myself before I preach. I mm-hmm. think I might have sweated, if I can remember, maybe twice mm-hmm. uh, in 50 years. Mm-hmm. I just that didn't don't do I sweat, but I don't do it when I preach. Right. Yeah. Man, it'd be a puddle of water when I get through <laughs> preaching. <laughs> nor 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 do you get hoarse much. What do tell us what you use or what's your I got a drink chemical. that that that's over there now. That's I make a lemonade uh, with lemon, honey, cayenne pepper, uh, uh, maple syrup, mm-hmm. and I make that, and that that kind of keep me from getting hoarse. And then I don't strain myself. If I preach somewhere, and I'm somewhere every week preaching, mm-hmm. if I preach at a place where the mic is not where it should be or the system, I don't strain myself. Mm-hmm. I leave it up to them mm-hmm. you know, to do it. But those are things that cause you to uh, get hoarse and don't get enough rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those create hoarseness. So mm-hmm. it could happen to me tonight or tomorrow, but so far I haven't had much problem. Right. Yeah. Right. What are, what are some of the pitfalls that you have seen in ministry in all, in all these years that perhaps younger pastors may be able to avoid? I think the lack of commitment. Uh, God honors the person that honors his son. And many times we approach ministry uh, different from the way God intended for us to approach it. We're trying now all over the country and everywhere I go, I hear people, especially preachers, trying to come up with a gimmick to draw people Mm -hmm. to church. And whenever you do that, you're completely out of order. According to John 12, 32, it's not our job to draw. Mm -hmm. It's our job to lift. Mm -hmm. The Bible, Jesus said, if I be lifted, Mm -hmm. I'll draw. And, And what we need to do is spend more time lifting Jesus and allowing him to do the drawing. When we start drawing, we leave Jesus outside. And when you draw people that's not driven, not drawn by the Lord, uh, you might have a swell, but not a growth. Mm-hmm. And whenever there's a swell in the body, that's an infection. Mm-hmm. And when there's an infection, it won't be long before surgery will have to sit in. <laughs> so there must be, it's a difference between a swell and a growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pastor should work on growing the members, mm-hmm. discipling the ones that God sent there mm-hmm. and let them go back and get other shepherds don't have sheep. Sheep have sheep. Right. And so when you do that and lift him, uh, I think that's one of the keys to ministry is lifting Jesus, not trying to draw people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this post-pandemic church and this pre-pandemic church, all of us have lived through COVID-19 and the effects of that that it has had on the church. 
What 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 effect has COVID had on your church, and what do you think COVID's effect will be on the church at large? I think that pastors have to understand that the church as a whole still look to them for leadership. Mm-hmm. It's number one. I discovered a long time ago that mice go through holes that was made by rats. In other words, the pastors, the church look to him. If the pastor is not concerned, then the members will not be concerned. Mm-hmm. If the pastor decides that service starts at 11 o'clock, he shows up at 11.30. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. For they're going to start showing up at 11.45. Right. They're going to come after. He have to be the example uh, to show and to demonstrate them uh, to them mm-hmm. the importance of it. I said to our church, if Kroger's is open, we're open. Mm-hmm. If folks have to go get physical food, there should be a place where they can get some spiritual food. Mm-hmm. Also reminded them that Hebrew 10.25, all during pandemic, was still in the scripture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forsake not to assemble yourself in the congregation of the Lord. Whenever the Lord says something, he honors it. That passage that you remember when Peter walked the water, mm-hmm. I hold that Peter really didn't walk on the water. He was walking on the word. <laughs> that when God said to him, come, God actually rolled his word out as a carpet on the water. Mm-hmm. And long as Peter stayed on the word, he didn't sink. Right. But when he took his eyes off the Savior and took them on, put them on the stone, then he started sinking. Mm-hmm. As long as you're on the word, when you stand as a pastor, regardless of whatever storm come along, if you stand, God stands with you. Mm-hmm. I remember that uh, when uh, Elijah, actually God didn't really tell him to go tell Ahab that he's going to shut up him three years and six months. Uh, but because Elijah said it, God stood behind him. Right. He said, okay, since you said it, right. I'm going to shut it up for three years. God honors the man of God that honors his son. Right, yeah. right. What were some of the struggles you had in ministry, fights you've had in the pastoral ministry <clears throat> that has not only strengthened your preaching and your ministry, but it has made you the person that you are? Uh, my second year as pastor of Salem, my church decided to have an anniversary celebration for me, and uh, um, many of the members didn't want me to have it. And so what I said to them after it was over, they voted a couple of times to try to vote me out and all that kind of stuff. My early years mm-hmm. in ministry, I said to them uh, after the anniversary was over, I said, I need you all to know. I want to thank those of you that made this day possible. But above all, I want to thank those of you that tried to stop it. Mm-hmm. I said, because you're the ones making me a pastor. Mm-hmm. It's not the ones that's patting me on the back that say, I love you. Mm-hmm. It's the one that's stabbing me that you're making me strong. <laughs> and those are the ones, the ones that really fight you. If they knew how they was blessing you, they would never do it. Mm-hmm. Because these are the people that prepare you for greater things. Mm-hmm. I've said to young pastors all over the country, God, know your address. Be faithful where you are. Mm-hmm. Never walk away from a ministry that God has assigned you. God don't send all of us to for an assignment. He sends some of us for sentences, mm-hmm. you know. But the sentence <laughs> is to make us better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're there to make us better. When when we when we are encounter those things, when we look back, we we'll thank God. It was David to say it was good for me. Right. That I was afflicted. afflicted. Before yeah. I was afflicted, he said, I went astray. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that I 
that, that my problems I had in ministry was I didn't know. I had been pastoring uh, three, I had been preaching three months when this church called me. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about preaching, nothing about pastoring. Matter of fact, when the church called and said that they had selected me to be pastor for one year, I called my pastor and told him that they had called me. First thing he said to me was, don't take it. Mm -hmm. He said, and I asked him why. He said, well, number one, nobody's there. And secondly, they ain't going to do nothing but hurt you. Right. They had about 35 active members at the time that I became pastor of the church. Everything he said was true, that there wasn't nobody there. They did hurt me. Mm -hmm. But uh, when the Lord assigned me, I couldn't turn the assignment down. Right. I had to accept the assignment. So those are things I think that created problems, but it was a blessing in mm -hmm. disguise. Mm -hmm. What would... I think you're 75 years old now? 76. 76 years old. Yes, sir. You look better than me at 76. <laughs> what would 76-year-old Frank Ray say to 18-year-old Frank Ray? I would tell 18-year-old Frank Ray, learn as much of the Word of God as you possibly can and stay under a senior pastor that's got wisdom. I say to all young preachers and all preachers as a whole, that every preacher, pastor need at least three people in your life. You need a Paul, you need a Barnabas, and you need a Timothy. Paul is the person that have been where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. Barnabas is the person that will be honest with you whether you like it or not. And Timothy is the person coming behind you. Mm -hmm. Those are the three guys that help develop you mm -hmm. to be who and what you should mm -hmm. be. Those are, those are wonderful people to have around. Mm -hmm. And I've had them in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who was a mentor to you besides your pastor? And uh, I had a lot of mentors. I had uh, um, Adams, which was my pastor. Mm -hmm. Then there was a preacher named Samson Townsend um, that he would preach and he would just take a passage and just, just kind of flip it inside and out. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then that was uh, W.M. Fields, Jr. Uh, several of us sit under him. I sit under him. Jasper sit under him. Abe Campbell mm -hmm. sit under him. E.L. McKinney sit under him. And Gilbert Patterson. All of us stayed at his house daily. We went there, and he would sermonize a sermon. He would take a sermon and stuff you would least think of. Mm -hmm. He could develop it. He, for instance, he talked about the rich man and lathers at his gates designed the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And he would say stuff like this. There were three classes of crumbs. Uh, the first class crumb is the one that falls from your mouth back into the plate. He said, you'll get that crumb. The second class crumb is the one that falls from a plate to the table. If nobody's looking, you'll get that one. The third class crumb is the one that falls from the table to the floor. He said, that's what Lathers wanted, the third-class crumb. <laughs> he would take sermons, and he could develop it that way, and he, we sit there daily, uh, and he was an inspiration to mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. And just that, and then after those guys, then I ran into um, um, A. Lewis Patterson, mm -hmm. guys like that. I spent a lot of time with Evie Hill. Evie was a man of wisdom mm -hmm. and what have you. These are guys that poured into my life and ministry, and mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time with Adrian Rogers, 
uh, Adrian Rogers was Stephen Ofer's pastor, okay. and Stephen Ofer was Adrian Rogers' pastor, and so they both welcome me, and they don't get any better than those guys right. on expository preaching, but right. they made me welcome, and they embraced me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love listening to Adrian yeah. Rogers preach. <laughs> yes, uh, they were outstanding. Me and Adrian came to our church the same Sunday, mm-hmm. his first Sunday in February 1972. Both of us, yeah. Wow. Doc, I sure appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast with us. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank all of you for listening. God bless you. Mm-hmm.